Hello and welcome to another episode of the Third and Goal podcast. I'm Rob, your host, and whilst I'm joined by Dan today, Fred is currently working, so he can't be with us. How are you, Dan? Got a bit of a headache, I think. I have, mate, but we'll, we'll get by after the, the fans demand that we do this, so here we are. <laughs> um, so today we're looking at a team which I have a bit of a soft spot for. I did say this last week for a different reason. That was the Vikings because of the Minnesota Miracle. However, I have seen this play, team play twice in the flesh, once at their home stadium and once in London. And I know today's guest in real life, so do keep an eye on the results. It's another bird team, not a formidable bird like the Falcons, but more like a sweet tropical budget. It's the Arizona <laughs> Cardinals, and Tom is joining us to talk us through their season. How are you, Tom? I'm all right. I bet for a few years you were glad I never converted you into a Cardinal when you first started <laughs> watching a sport. I know, you did try, and I do have a Cardinals <laughs> t-shirt from when I went and saw them in Arizona, and I bought it in, the, um, bought it in their team shop, so I might let you have that if you want. This is revelations. We did not know this. This what? Revelation, we did not know you was a, a two-team fan. Well, I'm not a two-team fan. I just, you know, Tom mm. tried to get me to be a Cardinals fan and then I went and saw them when I was travelling around America and I just, I like this T-shirt they had with a big budgie on the front. So The, the worst bit is when I was trying to convert you, it was like, was, was it like 14, 15, it was like five or six years ago when we were actually made the playoffs a couple of times. I was like, look, we're in the playoffs. It's a good team. Uh, you knew better. You knew better, friend. <laughs> yeah. So, getting on to them anyway. In 2019, you drafted your quarterback of the future in Kyler Murray and then went 5-10-1 and one and ended bottom of the NFC West, which is a tough division. But going into 2020, what were you hoping for? I mean, a positive record is always good, um, or at least evens. So, I mean, by the way, we ended up in the grand scheme of things, it's kind of what I expected. But with the start of the season we had, I don't know. You'd have you'd have hoped for more by the end of the season. It's a it's a it's a tough one because we met the expectations I kind of had. But after the season started, I actually started expecting more of us. But I, I mean, I'm a Cardinals fan. I should know better than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you started with a good win over San Francisco. They'd just been to the Super Bowl, and it was before their season got savaged by injuries. So that must have been a confidence boost yeah it's I mean to be fair I don't think we've ever done too bad against the 49ers um like last year we did lose but sorry not last year 2019 we lost to them like both games but they beat everyone in the NFC West that season so it wasn't too big of a concern and like before that we'd been on a hot streak against them so I mean yeah it's a big win when they've come from a Super Bowl but I'm not, they're not the team I'm really scared of these days in the West. It's the other two, especially the Seahawks, annoyingly so. <laughs> yeah, well, <clears throat> it was the 49ers and Cardinals that I saw live in Arizona, and it was the worst game I've ever seen. It was just a yeah. game field goals. That was like 2018 or something? Yeah, I can't remember, something like yeah. that. Um, and... Yeah, 12-9, I think, or something like that. It was pretty terrible, but uh, not what I was hoping for. Um, <laughs> then you beat Washington with ease, but then in week three, you go and lose to the Lions, who ended up being dreadful, and I don't think people expected them to do much anyway. Um, so was that 
toughless, tough, can't get my words out, a tough loss to take and sort of knock you back to earth a little bit? I mean, it is, but it's, it's something I kind of get used to as a Cardinals fan. We lose games like that. Like, we can go to teams like the previous year's Super Bowl teams and, and Washington who were looking good and beat them, and then we'll lose to someone that we should be handily beating. Um, so it's not... Like, I mean, we were just inconsistent in that game, I think. That was the main problem. And, like, the only way we got any yardage was um, was Hopkins. That was, that was, like, it. Like, we had one option. And <laughs> if he didn't go through that option, we didn't make any yards. And I think that shows in, in stats for a lot of the season, to be honest. Like, there was one connection. It was Murray scrambling and making yards on his own or or that pass. And it was just a difficult year all around, I think, for that. Um and I think that game showed it. Like they sussed that and they they shut that down, and that <laughs> we didn't have any other fallout fallback plan or anything. Yeah, and then you went and lost to the Panthers, um, yeah. and then you beat the Jets, which is sort of a given for most teams. Yeah. Beat Dallas, and then you beat the Seahawks in overtime just before your bye week. So then you stand at five and two. I mean, at that point in the season, you know, again, what are you thinking then? I mean, we went on to what six and three after bye week as well. We uh, we lost to Dolphins and beat Bills, so we were like mm-hmm. six and three at one point just after bye week, and that's where it started looking like kind of positive. Even though we'd got a couple of losses that maybe you'd question, like overall we were looking okay. Um, and I mean, I think the. I think the loss of Chandler Jones is a big thing for us, and and it's difficult to like say on a t- on a, such a big team, it's all down to one guy, but like, we just started conceding so many more points once he was gone. After like it was like week five he got injured, and then like suddenly you're looking at scores where, if you look down our our, our literal game results, you're sort of talking we, we're conceding teens to twenties in points, and then suddenly when, um. When Chandler Jones is gone, it's like we're suddenly conceding 30 points a game or very close to 30 points a game. It makes a big difference because you've got to score 31 to win then. Like, instead of scoring three touchdowns for a win, you, you're forcing yourself to have to score four plus. And it's it's just a different... And when you've not got a huge amount of options at wide receiver, like we had last season, it's not it's not a situation you want to be, be in, really. And it, it just showed that I think the defence lost so much by losing Chandler Jones. It's yeah, big loss. the Miami coming out of the bye week and there yeah. is that we give a fair bit of stick to on this podcast. Dan in particular likes to give them a bit <laughs> of stick. And um, then you go and beat the Bills and I think this is like say, where the inconsistencies start coming in because you lose to Miami who were okay. You then beat the Bills who, you know, are a really good team. And then you go and lose to the Seahawks, who did yeah. And then you lose to New England, who have got a quarterback who can't throw the ball. Um, yeah. And, you know, from what I saw of your games, you did seem to rely on, like you said, Kyler Murray being able to pick up chunks of yards himself. Um, yeah. Or that option to, uh, to Hopkins. And do you think your inconsistencies were around... Murray, because I saw in some games where teams made an effort to get on top of Murray quickly so he couldn't scramble and you know made the pocket collapse quickly. It just seemed that when he couldn't pick up yardage, your offense really struggled. 
Yeah, I mean, we've we've not got the strongest running game at the minute. That's pretty clear. Um, I mean, it's 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 difficult because I, I feel for Murray because I don't think he's until what we started signing in free agency, like during last season, I don't think he had the targets that he potentially needs. And having having one guy to target, I mean, yeah, obviously we've still got Larry, and you know Larry's good, but he's all due respect to the guy that's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. He's you can't rely on Larry anymore. Like that time is past. It's, it's awesome to still have him around and help him lead the younger guys, but you can't rely on Larry Fitzgerald anymore. Sadly, as a Cardinals fan or a Cardinals player. So Hopkins was all we had from for Murray to target, in all honesty. And like you say, team, teams worked it out and shut it down quite quickly. And then, I can't remember what week it was, but he hurt his shoulder at one point. And I think that was kind of when the run of losses kind of started with the Seahawks, Pats and things. And you, you could just tell that he was he was tired because he was having to scramble a lot. Um, I mean, you know my long-term suffering with that O-line since I don't even know when. <laughs> I've talked about that O-line for a long time and it doesn't always do the best job of protecting quarterbacks. And that's why, like, Rosen didn't work, didn't work out when he was there because he's just a pocket passer and we couldn't keep a pocket for him. Whereas at least Murray can scramble. But I think just towards the end of the season, he was he was too tired and too hurt to do that from the hits he had taken. Yeah, I think early on in the season as well, <clears throat> Murray probably made your O-line look better than it was because yeah. he could just find gaps and he made defenders look silly and... It probably did make your line look a bit better than, than what they actually were. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Humphreys had a good year on on the left side, like in protecting him from that side. But I think we were weaker on the other side, um, and and stuff was like stuff was still getting through to him. Again, I think we've sort of made some, uh, like, well, we've we made a trade. Like, I'm sure we'll get to this in a bit. Like, made a trade for um, Rodney Hudson at centre, like this week, I think it was earlier this week. And that, that's a good move because he's the kind of guy that can pick up the missed blocks. He's really good at that. And I think someone like that in the O-line is kind of what he needs because Humphreys can carry on doing his thing and someone like Hudson can hopefully maybe help bring the other guys up, like raise their game a little bit and help lead that O-line, which is, which is what we've missed for such a long time. Um, and then, fingers crossed, that would make the difference and give a little bit more of a chance each season but next season but only time will tell <laughs> yeah you then finish the season with so, so I don't know if you agree sorry no go on Dan so I don't know if you agree but it seems like when Murray went down and his injury they because you had such a little run game and your backup QBs were really up to much you were still in with a shout at the playoffs and it felt like we've got to keep playing him here yeah. because we've got a shot at the playoffs whereas actually if you'd had a decent run game or a decent standing, you could probably have benched him for a game and brought him back and had a better chance in the longer run, giving that breather. But I do, I do think that's a big when perhaps they shouldn't. Yeah, I do think that's a big factor because so much of it relied on him. It and there was that shot at playoff football. I mean, even down to the last game of the season, we were technically still in for playoff football. Um and it it was I'm pretty sure if I remember the maths right, it was a win and in. For us, last last day of the season, um, we never won it, obviously. But I mean, to, to still be in that position and be so beaten up and kind of short on players was surprising, to say the least. Like I didn't really expect it come the end at the start of the season. I didn't expect that's where we'd be at the end of the season. 
but yeah, I think I think that's a fair assessment that the fact that like the running game being weaker means that it's it's there's far more pressure on him and it, it's far more difficult to to let him get that rest if he needs it. Yeah, I think I just remember watching one game and it was um he's he's a master at not getting hit as a mobile quarterback anyway. Yeah. You look at someone like Cam Newton or Josh Allen, they'll take a hit. Tyler Murray is very smart and very clever and very agile, but he doesn't. He'll that last yard, four foot before the hit, he's down or he's out of bounds and he covers yeah. himself very well. There was one game I watched and he was getting out five, six yards early instead of the one yard early just to really be safe and make sure that no one was touching him. And that yeah. became the difference between then having a, a third and five or a third and six and actually having a third and one, which you comfortably convert, which was the case early in the yeah. season. I think that's a sign of oh. how he was feeling as well in terms of him being hurt. I think like he was physically just trying to avoid that hit and uh, like you say earlier in the season you you saw him challenge for like literally every yard he could get on those scramble runs and you saw him go as far as he could but like you say later in the season it he did not it wasn't that he wasn't trying obviously because he was because he was still making a lot of plays but you could just see he was trying to avoid anything big because he knew that it could end the rest of the season for him if he took something too big because he was already hurt and it it's just a shame when like that was our main source of scoring points. And and if we'd have had the strong defense still, it wouldn't have been so critical. Because it comes back to what I was saying before, like when you when you're keeping a team to say like teens or low twenties, you've got to score three three in a field goal or something to win. We were putting ourselves in positions on the defense where we were needing 31, 32 points to win a game. Like and that that offense just didn't have it in them, but towards the end, and that, I think that was definitely a massive factor of it that they were just they were just tiredness and mistakes on both sides of the ball, really. Yeah, I can remember seeing a game when Murray um, had hurt his shoulder, and he did look like a different person. Like you say, yeah, I think yeah. it was just a you know getting out of bounds so no one could hit him, like Dan said, and I think it was like. Like you've both said, really, it's just, you know, if he'd have got hit and gone out for the season, that would have totally killed your season. It's probably better that you can pick up a few yards and get out of bounds safely. Um, Then, obviously, if if you're on third down, then you've got to convert that as well, haven't you? So it doesn't always, there's no point picking up nine yards if you can't convert the last one, is there? So, I mean, the the other thing as well is like, it's, I think it shows maybe the way he felt as, as starting QB. Like he felt a lot of pressure on him, I think, to to lead that team. And I think, you know, in his second year and the age he's at, like, it's a lot to deal with that to to, to sort of franchise QB in that way and stuff. And I, I think he dealt with it pretty well. But I think with some of the improvements that we're already starting to make through free agency and stuff, I'm I'm hoping that we'll see a better year from him. Like, I mean, what we saw in the start of the year. Is kind of what in, in Pro Bowl status, like when he was at his best. So hopefully, if we can get that for sixteen games, it's a that's a that's a good playoff run at least. But fingers crossed. Yeah. So you finished the season last four games. You got two wins against the Giants and the Eagles, um, and then two losses. Uh, the one I can't really remember it, but you lost to the Forty Nine ers, who at that point were <laughs> literally decimated with injuries. Yeah. 
something like 15, 16 people on injury reserve or something. Like <laughs> they, they had no team left. Yeah. <laughs> they were the 29ers at that stage. And the Rams. So you finished on 8-8, eight and eight, which you said at the start, a winning season or a 500 season would be acceptable. So you're relatively happy with that and something to build on for the future. I, I mean, doing better than last season is always the, the target for me. Um, and I think considering some of the injuries and, and like lack of depth that we had, I think overall a 500 season is not too bad. It, like I say, it's disappointing after the really good, really strong start we had. But I don't think it's the end of the world. And I think there's definitely positives to build on. But um, I think we, we I, I feel like that we are one of those teams that if we can get past our divisional games, then we're a playoff team. I don't think we tend to worry about the games outside our division all that much because we seem to handle those fairly well most years. When we have bad years, a lot of the time it tends to be against divisional teams. And I mean, NFC West, when I first started watching the NFL, used to get re- referred to as the NFC worst because it was like a trash division. But now it's like usually got two, if not three of the strongest teams in the in like the, NF- uh, the NFC in general, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, what did Catherine call the NFC East yesterday, Dan? NFC Least, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. They've taken over on that. (laughs) Some talking points, and we've already covered him a little bit, but Kyler Murray, he almost, not quite, but he almost became the first ever player to throw for 4,000 yards and run for 1,000. Obviously, did struggle with his shoulder, so he might have have made that, but we touched upon it earlier. Do you think, well, again, tougher defences, running, scrambling room came hard to come by, but he can't do it all with his legs, can he, all the time? He has to throw thousand yards but people need to help him out um you need more targets and he's what is it 23 years old yeah we'll be I mean, at this stage of his career and it's almost like he's putting that cardinals offense on his back and carrying them himself he has got hopkins but beyond that they've not got anybody else i mean i think aj green being picked up in free agency is probably a good thing for us because i think although he wasn't like the traditional AJ Green that we all know in the last year or so, I think playing like opposite Hopkins and being that that number two receiver is probably ideal for him. Like he used to be a number one run guy, but he's maybe better as uh, like running and slant and stuff and creating that distraction. And the, the thing is, is when you've got like for me, if we've we've suddenly got two receivers like that, we're back to like times where your corners are more concerned about who they pick up. Like at the minute, the last season when we play someone, the decision's easy. It's pick up Hopkins. That's it. There's no argument in it. Whereas suddenly, as soon as you put someone like Green opposite him, the corners of the opposing defense have suddenly got a decision to make and it instantly doubles Kyler Murray's options. Um, and I think that and maybe picking up like a, a decent tight end in um, free agency or maybe even draft or something. Um that that might just be what Kyler needs to. I mean, we probably do need something at running back as well, but I think giving him those options, we know Kyler's good on his feet, um, so we don't need to rely on the run game as much if he's got those options. 
but we've just got to have him. I think AJ will probably give us at least a bit more of a dynamic offense for him to play with next season. Yeah, so I think you... AJ Green. Sorry, if I had AJ Green's a good pickup, but what I saw of AJ Green last year. There was instances where you had a chance to take a, an extra step and an extra yard to make a catch and then get hit, and mm. he didn't want it. He did not want that. And if he comes with that attitude that he, he isn't going to put his body on the line anymore and he's not there to, yeah. to be that, you say you run the slants and things like that, you're running into traffic all the time. And if he's yeah. not going to put his body on the line to do that, then you saw last year it was a waste having him on the field and they carried him. Yeah. Yes, if we get the AJ Green of three, four years ago, then that's formidable. Every team five years ago would have loved Hopkins and Green, right? Either side. Oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. That would have been something that, and Fitzgerald as backup, right? Wow, yeah. thank you very much. Um, it's just whether, for me, whether or not AJ Green turns up and wants to be there to play ball and will take those hits in that position. I think that's my hope. I think with, like, some of the other things, some of the other pickups that we're starting to make and, like, there's... I feel hopeful because I feel like there's starting to be a little bit of a buzz around what we're doing in in preparation for next season. And I think that's what, you know, makes AJ an interesting pick because, like, to pick him up, I'm hoping he's coming here thinking there's a chance of some good playoff for the next two, maybe even three years with, with the team that we've got. Like, he's what, he's, I think he's 32 now. Uh, so, mm-hmm. I mean... Fitz is still going and he's I want to say 36 like yeah so there you go he's even older than I thought it was like that's how much of a machine Fitz is I don't even know that he's that old but like Fitz Fitz sort of in his early 30s kind of popped back up on the scene for us again Mm. and it was when he he kind of transitioned into that that kind of second receiver role Mm. of of running those kind of routes so I'm, I'm hoping that we basically get the same sort of thing out of AJ Green. That's that's kind of my hopeful, optimistic outlook of it as a card. I think the big fan. difference is that the Bengals' AJ Green was the senior person. It takes a yeah. lot for a younger person to say, hey, all your weight to an older senior player that's yeah. been there. When he goes to the Cardinals, those guys that can do that in his own receiver room are going to be, watch him tape with him, Hopkins yeah. and Fitzgerald, and they're going to say, hey, I'm putting my body on the line. I've been there and done it. Same as you. I expect the same out of you, AJ. Do you know what I mean? I think so AJ's got a lot of respect for Larry as well. Him. I think that's maybe mm. maybe why he's ended up here is because like he knows Larry well and they, yeah. like my understanding is they've always gotten on. Um, so I think maybe that helps. And I think that if, if Larry told him, come on, man, you need to pull your weight. If he wasn't, I think you would respect that and respond to that as well, which is, again, why I'm sort of more hopeful than pessimistic about it. <clears throat> well, hopeful. Yeah. Well, the rest of your receivers last year, I don't think they performed to the level that people expected them to. Yeah. Uh, Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella, I think people expected more output than what they gave. I think, um, did Isabella get something like 600 yards or something? And your second best receiver was... Um, was Larry, yeah. um, which at 38 years old, I don't think many people expected, but that goes back to, you know, behind Hopkins, there wasn't a lot there. So hopefully this yeah. AJ Green pickup will help. And like Dan says, if if um, Larry and Hopkins are going to hold him accountable, if he's not pulling his weight, then hopefully that'll benefit him as well and get more output from him. Yeah, I, I think as well it might, it might sort of 
kick Isabella and people like in into gear is to see that the Cardinals aren't afraid to go out and get somebody in on a pickup like that. And like th- those guys are probably going to be playing slot for most of the season, I'd have guessed. But like it, it it puts it puts it on them to perform now because those for me those two starting receiver positions are gone, and then they're not going to get them. They're going to get like slot receiver or something. Depending on how we line up, but yeah, I, I think it gives them the incentive to play and prove that they deserve the starting wide receiver roles. Running back, then obviously you'd lost David Johnson, um, mm. and I don't think many people would have been upset at the trade for getting Hopkins in return. Um, just quickly, what were your thoughts on that trade? Were you happy with? I mean, I, I think we turned out. <laughs> better off than you could have ever hoped for for that to be honest like I think it showed a very clear intent in the changing game as well like when we took Johnson on we were a pocket passing team that needed a strong run game and I think trading him away for Hopkins was kind of a a sign of we want to play that like mobile QB kind of kind of game and it, it, it showed Cliff kind of trying to put his his mark on the team, I guess, a little bit and and play the game the way he wants to play it, which, I mean, we, we knew that when we drafted Murray, I guess, because he'd, he'd already said that that's who we want, that's who we would want at QB1. So I think it's kind of showed some intent there. I, I just think that we, we didn't do a good job in what we had at RB. Like, Kenyon Drake was... Average probably, but he, I mean he had his moments for sure. But I think overall he was a little bit average, and we we all expected a bit more from him. And I think that's been shown in the way that we've uh, released him. Like, yeah, he's well, gone now. <laughs> he showed flashes of being excellent in 2019, yeah. but this year Kenyon Drake had 239 rushing attempts, which was seventh highest in the league. He got 955 yards, which is 13th in the league. 10 touchdowns, which was 10th in the league, but he only got four yards per carry on average, which was 42nd in the league. So I think, you know, disappointing an average probably does weigh it up, doesn't it? I saw something earlier with the Raiders and one of their SB Nation sites was saying that signing Drake was the worst decision that the Raiders could have made this, uh, this offseason. I don't know whether that's quite true, but they didn't seem too happy with it. Um, I mean, for for us, like, I, I think it does tell that we've now let him go. But, um, like, RB is a spot that I think we probably will look to in the draft. I, I, I don't know who you'd potentially... I, I don't even know who's out there, to be honest, that you could, like, pick up in, in free agency. But... We we I think we're in a position where we we are trying to be careful with cap. Like Rob, you know that I'm the worst person when it comes to cap management. I don't know squat, but I'm fairly sure that picking up JJ Watt on the money that we did means we've not got a whole lot of room left. Um, I saw so. something had something interesting. Um, I think was it on. I can't remember. I can't remember if I heard it on a podcast or I don't want to say the name in case I'm completely wrong. I read it in a tweet <laughs> on Twitter. Um, but they basically said that literally nobody understands the cap. Even a general manager doesn't understand the cap. Yeah, the only people that understand the cap are the 32 cap gurus that are sat in their office working it all out. Literally nobody else has a clue how it works. Yeah, yeah I, I, there was an art, I think it was an article on one of the Arizona 
uh, sites as well about the exact same thing. I saw a question if the NFL auditors even know either. The cat gurus go, yeah, yeah, this is fine, this is fine. <laughs> Okay, if he says it's fine, it must be, and they put it through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just pretty crazy. Um, so, Reddix, you moved into uh, Defensive Edge uh, last year. That seemed like a great move. We got 13 sacks and multiple turnovers in a contract year. I don't know whether you've re-signed him or let him no, go. No, he's gone. He's gone to... Yeah. But, I mean, his output was pretty good from that move. I mean, yeah, it was. to be fair, I thought it was pretty impressive. Like, 13 sacks is good. <laughs> And, like, I mean, I think the decision to let him go is purely a cap thing on the basis that because he's had a good year this year, he's going to want more than... I mean, like, we've re-signed, for example, Marcus Golden, and he's on far less um, than Reddick would have wanted. Um, And I think that that was the decision there, was it's more beneficial to the Cardinals as a franchise to keep Golden, who will hopefully produce with like JJ Watt and a fit Chandler Jones alongside him, and then replace Reddick and let Reddick go. Might be might be the Panthers he went to. I think I could be wrong, but yeah. Yeah, yeah so I think it was a monetary thing more than anything. Another person that you've let go, Patrick Peterson. I know you're a big fan of yeah, his or was, but yeah, he's moved on now to the Vikings, I believe. Um sad to see him go. Very. I mean, you know how much I love P2. I, I, was, I was hoping that bringing someone like JJ Watt in would like maybe make him consider coming in on a, a low deal to, to try and push for that, that championship, but it wasn't to be. Whether It sounds like it's a Cardinals decision, though, from, from what I keep hearing. It sounds like it's that the Cardinals didn't want to re-sign Patrick Peterson, not that Patrick Peterson didn't want to make an arrangement to stay. Uh, because he, from what I've heard, he was like pretty torn up about the fact that they decided to let him go. So it's a, it's a difficult one. I would have liked to have seen him stay. And if, if it is more that we've chosen to let him go, I don't feel as bad about it because I would have, it would have definitely hurt me more if he'd been the one that had rejected us. <laughs> as, as a fan, anyway. Um, I just hope that we can draft well and bring people in at cornerback because we've in my opinion we've now pretty much got nothing like that is by far the weakest area of the team I think at the minute um I mean today literally today we've brought in Malcolm Butler um from where was it was it Texans I think yeah, it was yeah I think yeah or Titans no Titans, some, some, yeah, Titans. some team in that area <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but it, i mean butler's come in so it's a good it's a good option but i still think we need more than that like him alongside p2 sorted so i think him and a high draft pick at cornerback will be where we go as a team yeah i mean but, defensive line safeties and cornerbacks all struggled to stay healthy or inconsistent this yeah. year um I mean, you've sort of struggled, uh, touched upon areas you need to improve. Um, free agency so far, especially JJ Watt. Happy with that? I'm, I mean, I'm pretty happy with all of it. Like, I've, I've probably mentioned most of them as we've talked about it. So, like, AJ Green, obviously, in my opinion, I think that could be a good good fit. JJ Watt, um, as, long, as long as he's as productive. I think, I think, if anything, he could be the leader that that defence needs, like, just to take charge. Because I feel like, I mean, this is going back a long way, but I feel like we've not had a proper 
leader on defense since um, the likes of like Calais Campbell and people like that. Like, it, it just feels like at that point in time, we had a formidable defense that people did not want to play against. And I don't think we've, I don't feel like we've had that for a long time. Um, even though we've had some good individuals, I don't think we've had like a formidable defense. And I'm hoping JJ Watt can like, a, draw in some other talent that want to play alongside him, some like more top-tier talent to play with him, but also like lead them and, and be the guy that, that gets them up off their arse when they're, when they're not playing well and, and motivates them to, to be that defence that people around the league start to fear a little bit and, and keep the scores down. Because that, like I keep saying, that's a big problem for us this last year. Yeah, so beyond, like, you just touched on cornerback being an area of need... Mm either through free agency or the draft, take your pick or cover them both if you want. What areas do they need to strengthen for next year? I, I, I think cornerback's a big one. Even though we've brought Butler in today, I think we still need somebody else. I, I think that maybe ringing Butler in is a sign that we'll get somebody else in draft. Um, but we definitely needed two options there, I think. Um, and, I mean, genuinely for me, it's, I think it's tight end and running back. Um, maybe... Somewhere like the linebackers with us losing losing Reddick, um, but it it really we're in one of those kind of difficult positions I think where we we sort of sixteenth pick in the first round so you know that I think the top tier corners and stuff are probably going to be gone before like I've seen us been floated around with a few names but a lot of them might not make it down to us so I've I've seen a lot of speculation that. We may trade someone for that sixteenth pick to to fall further down the order, and and maybe take like somebody that would have gone in the second a little earlier, things like that. Whether it'll happen or not is another matter, but I I definitely think that whatever that first round pick is probably needs to be a corner, whether it's trading for a, uh, an established corner or it's uh, picking up like the best corner we can in that position, I guess. Mm-hmm. Cool. Right, if all goes to plan, what does it look like next year in terms of wins? You can pick 16 or... No, they confirmed 17-game season now, so let's go 17 games. Um, I mean, I want to see us winning 10-11 in an ideal world, like comfortable playoff territory. If I think there's a lot of change, so I don't think that it's just instantly going to become a massively winning team, but I would like us to be positive for sure. And I think after having a, a rough year and finishing 500, I'd, I'd hope that we can improve on that with the change we've made. Like, I don't think, other than Patrick Peterson going, I don't think anyone that we've lost and replaced has been for the worst yet. I think they've all been trade-ups, really, to a degree. Maybe, maybe Reddick, I suppose, depending on who we're getting at linebacker. But... I think for the for the majority they've been trade up, so I'm hoping a 10, 10 win season, maybe eleven if there's that extra game. Depends who it's against. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it goes. Right before we finish, do you want to plug yourself on Twitter or anything? I mean, am I worth following? You tell me. <laughs> no. <laughs> there we go. Then no point. <laughs> uh, you do a couple of pods if anyone's listening. Yeah, to I mean, I'm an F1 nerd as well as a um, NFL nerd, so. People like Formula One fast cars too. You can go check out Back of the Grid and listen to my lovely tones on that too. <laughs> Sounds better than ours with your fancy mic, so. Thanks. <laughs> Been out of five years, mate. <laughs>
Dan, any final questions? No, I'm good. Thanks for joining us. No, no problem at all. It's been a pleasure. Well, thanks for joining us, Tom, and thanks everyone for listening.